Getting it all done. Getting it all done. Now, um, I have my own story of, uh, of not having uh, good time management skills. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us have those same stories. Some people are just born with time management skills. They just, they just have it down. Most of us don't, and we have to learn it. We're a time management nightmare. So let me ask you, do you feel like you're flying by the seat of your pants? Do you feel like every day you're just sort of flying by the seat of your pants? Just, uh, oh, we'll, we'll play that as it comes. Just see what happens. We'll play it by ear. Does that come out of your mouth a lot? That, that means you're flying by the seat of your pants. When you're with your family, do you feel guilty that you aren't working? When you're with your family, do you feel guilty that you aren't working? And, and vice versa, when you're working, do you feel guilty that you aren't with your family? All three of these questions described to me. My answer was... Yes, yes, and yes. If you said yes to one of these, you have a time management problem. If you said yes to a, a, all three of them, you have a time management emergency. That's where I was at. I saw, when I first got started in the industry, I was 22, 23 years old. I saw everybody around me just flying by me like I was standing still. They were seeing so much success so quickly, and I felt like I was juggling 18 different spinning plates and I couldn't let one fall or the whole world would collapse. I, but, but I didn't really have a plan for getting all my work done. I was just totally flying by the seat of my pants. And then, and then I, I felt like when I wanted to hang out with, with my wife or friends that I, I felt guilty that I wasn't working, that, that I, I wasn't making the dials, I wasn't running appointments, I wasn't training a new agent. I felt guilty that I wasn't doing that. And then, and then when I was working, I felt like I was neglecting my wife and, and neglecting my friends. And this was all before we had kids. And, and I, listen, I've experienced some of this too. After we had kids, I felt like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm working, I'm not spending time with my children. Or, or I'm working so hard and getting so exhausted, I don't have the energy to hang out with my kids. Or uh, I'm, I'm hanging so much with my kids, I, I should be working right now. I, it was just this constant guilt feeling. Am I describing you at all? I'm not alone here, I know, because I, I talk to a lot of people and I know I'm not the only one that struggles with this. So I want to share with you really how I initially overcame it and how I continue to overcome it, okay? Uh, I reached out to a mentor and I said, how are you getting things done? He said, well, read this book, Getting Things Done. <laughs> Seems appropriate. David Allen is his name. It's The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. It's still a, a highly um, uh, recommended book. I'm not doing a book report on this today. Just know this book heavily influenced me from a time management standpoint. I don't actually teach on this book. I just always refer to it. And recently I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about David Allen's book, Getting Things Done. I said, yes, I'm not the only one that loved this book. It just, it just helped me start to prioritize uh, things in my life and the order that they should be getting done. Uh, another book that really uh, helped me change my thoughts were uh, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, by Napoleon Hill. This is a, in the self-development world, this is one of these foundational books. Most of the books that are written today, 
uh, are regurgitating what came from this book. And Napoleon Hill, uh, again, not going to give a life story of him or his books, but uh, he started with Andrew Carnegie, uh, one of the uh, early uh, steel tycoons, and and ultimately uh, talked to J.P. Morgan and talked to uh, Henry Ford and and just uh, uh, all of these all of these tycoons, these titans of industry, uh, and found out about them and and how they they reached their success. Uh, and so he wrote volumes of books about this. Think and Grow Rich is maybe the most famous, uh, but it's about thinking and growing rich. And uh, one of the things I got from Napoleon Hill that helped shape my thoughts, and those around me at any given time are going to hear me quoting what I'm about to show you. I quote it all the time. I talk about it. Look, here's the first thing I got from Napoleon Hill. There's a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period of time. This is a point that I just straight up copied out of Napoleon Hill's book. There is a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period of time. Here's an example I came up with, working out. I remember hearing the first time Zig Ziglar say it, walk briskly 30 minutes a day and you'll live a longer and healthier life. It's not go run a marathon today and do nothing for the next 20 years. It's a little bit every day. There is a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period of time. It's not that you made 10,000 dials today to book appointments. It's that you made your dials today. It was a dial day, and so you dialed today, and you made you know, 100 dials, or you made 200 dials. And then the next dial day, you did it again. It's, just, it's, it's the cumulative effect of little amounts of time, small amounts of time over a long period of time. Number two, there are rarely any immediate consequences for neglecting single installments of time in any arena of life. Again, working out, you miss once, it's not a big deal. This, these two, this, these four points I'm going to show you really changed me because I thought I, I, listen, I remember uh, in 2006 it was when we were pregnant with our first child, and uh, I say we were pregnant because I do believe the husband and wife are both pregnant. She does most of the work, but we're both pregnant. It's it's a it's a team effort. Um, and so I'm looking at my wife now. I don't know if she buys that, but I do. Guys, are you with me? All right. So. <laughs> I remember going to a trainer for the first time, going to a personal trainer, and I used to work out in college, and, you know, I, I graduated college before I got married. We, I was in great shape, and then I got married, and I, we were broke, and I couldn't join a gym, and for some reason, I didn't think about running and so, uh, or eating better or anything like that. Uh, and so I went to this, in 2006, I went to a trainer, and he said, look, it took you X amount of years to get to this shape you're in. I can't get you out of this shape in 30 days. It's going to take time. You have to be committed to the process but if you miss a workout it's okay how many times do you, you you didn't make your dials today or you didn't make make as many dials as you could have and you feel guilty about it you carry that guilt with you into tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day before you know it that guilt has kept you from doing the work that you should have been doing but you felt guilty because you missed that one time. You felt guilty because you ate that burger. You felt guilty because you had that Oreo cookie. You felt guilty. I don't know why all my references are about eating. But I don't, you feel guilty about it. You just carry it with you. Let it go. There are rarely any immediate consequences for neglecting single installments of time. But neglect does have a cumulative effect. So you eat one Big Mac. Nobody's going to crucify you. But there was that movie, that documentary, Supersize Me. That dude did 30 days of nothing but McDonald's meals, three meals a day. 
neglect has a cumulative effect. I mean, by the end of that documentary, like 20 days in, his doctor is begging him to stop because he's killing himself. Work out, miss once, no big deal. Miss a year, it's a big effect. I know if I go four days without exercising, when I get back into the gym on that fifth day, man, it's like, what did I do? That was so stupid. It hurts so much. Just do a little bit every day, and you don't have to go through that pain every time. Neglect has a cumulative effect. Look, uh, we teach our kids when their birthdays are. <laughs> From day one, they know their date of their birthday, but we celebrate it whenever we can. And that's because uh, our world does not revolve around our children's birthdays. Now, I know some people they do, and I'm not casting stones, but that makes life harder when the child is dictating the, the, the time of the parent, right? And so to our best of our ability, we control our time. Like, I know that my wife missed our firstborn's first birthday. She's not carrying the guilt of that, by the way. She's the one that says she wanted to do it. She wanted a group of ladies from our church. They went down to Central America. They did some work down there. And she said, I'm going to have to miss his birthday. I said, he's one. He doesn't know. I mean, the big thing we celebrated that day, and I had my in-laws take pictures of it, is we turned his car seat around so it was facing forward because in Texas they could do that at one year. That was a big thing. It was a big thing. So, but if she missed every one of his birthdays, that would have a cumulative effect. There is no cumulative value to the urgent things that we allow to interfere with our important things. There is no cumulative value to the urgent things. The child running into the room interrupting an important conversation, one of my biggest pet peeves in my life right now, that we allow to interfere with our important things. There's no, there's no cumulative value to that child interrupting saying, where's my shoe? Oh, my God. We were just talking about how you, what college you're going to go to. We were discussing the path for your life, and you can't find your shoe. There's no cumulative value to that urgent thing that just interrupted this important thing. Okay? Remember that. We're all given equal opportunity 24 hours in a day. I love, I'm inspired by first-generation Americans, people who moved here from another country and had nothing. I love the stories of, I moved to the United States with $15 in my pocket, and, and then I became a multi-gazillionaire billionaire. I love those stories, and I wonder, how did they do it? The people who were rags to riches, where they, they literally grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, and then they became billionaires. Have you ever gotten a chance to be around somebody like that and ask them questions? Because they have the same 24 hours in a day that you do. Same 24 hours in a day that I do. I just found that different people use that 24 hours differently. And how you use it is going to determine the trajectory of your life. It's not, I mean, it's, it's so cliche, I think, to say it these days, but this is not a dress rehearsal. We're, we're, this, this is the performance that we're in right now, and you got one shot. And if you don't take that shot today, maybe you got a shot tomorrow, but today's gone. You don't get another chance on today once it's gone. So, another book that seriously helped me, First Things First by Stephen Covey. I know I'm throwing a lot of books at you. I also know that leaders are readers, so you're probably going to pick up these books and read them again if you've read them already. You'll read them again. If you had not read them yet, you're going to pick it up and read it. This is, from a time management standpoint, 
it really is a foundational book in time management. I mean, people who talk about time management are constantly talking about Stephen Covey. And First Things First is just one of those foundational cornerstone books. In there, he talks about these four quadrants. And I trust me when I say this, I live my life using these four quadrants as a filter. I didn't always, but I do now. And um, it's a constant thing that I'm filtering through this. So let's, uh, let's just kind of pop through them. He's got uh, quadrant one are urgent and important things. Quadrant two are not urgent but important things. Quadrant three are urgent and not important things. And quadrant four are not urgent and not important things. It's not important. So I don't know why you would do anything in three and four. But we all do. We all do. Listen, we all do. But I don't know why we do. Because they're not important. And I just turned 45 not long ago. And it, and it started to dawn on me, like, wow, where did 45 years go? You know, I've, I've known my wife since 1996. Where did that time go? 25 years that we've been together. How, how in the world is that happening? How is time moving so quickly? So no time for not important things. Let's look at quadrant one, urgent and important. These are crises, pressing problems, deadline-driven projects, meetings, and preparations. These are urgent and important. Crises, pressing problems, deadline-driven projects, meetings, preparations. So uh, for me, an example I've always thought of when it comes to quadrant one is uh, a heart attack. Heart attack is urgent and important. You've got to get it fixed now. Oh, April 15th when taxes are due. That is, that is uh, a lot of times for people a quadrant one thing. You, you hear stories about people with the lines backed up at the post office so they can get their tax return postmarked by a certain time to make sure that it's, it's in there. That's quadrant one. Quadrant two starts with preparation. I love emphasizing this because it's the last thing that Stephen Covey listed in quadrant one, but it's the first in quadrant two. So what is the difference? Well, quadrant one was my college career. <laughs> I was the king of procrastination in college. I could write a 50-page paper, no problem. It would take me about 24 hours to knock it out with bibliography. I would get a C, but that's all I needed. I didn't need an A. Uh, on the other hand, my wife, I don't, she's not a bookworm. She wasn't locking her way in a library. We dated through college. I mean, she, she was available. But she was diligent in college, and just, she just seemed to constantly be studying so that when it came time for final exams, I'm up for 72 hours drinking, you know, jolt and no-dos. Anybody remember those things? I mean, I just try to stay awake to, to take my exams. And, and she's like in bed at 8, get up early for breakfast. And you know, it was no big deal for her on final exams. And so that, that to me is a difference between somebody who lives in quadrant one, which is the last minute, uh, the, the procrastinator, versus the person who's diligent about studying all along the way. Um, the person who doesn't personally produce for three months, and then suddenly they're getting the notices that they're going to be evicted from their house. Though, now they're in quadrant one because they weren't steadily working when it wasn't urgent now it's become urgent that they work <sighs> i got a text this morning from um my mechanic that my truck is ready i drive a ford and uh just recently my engine light came on and um and it, it's been kind of coming off and on for a, a couple years and i just didn't have time to take care of it and suddenly the other night it came on and it stayed on. It wasn't going away. Uh, and I read on Google how I could, you know, take the battery connections off and reset it and the light would go away. But it didn't fix the problem in the engine. And I got the message this morning. I get to drive my truck again. They, they fixed it. Now, here's the thing. 
I don't think the bill would have been as big had I been taking care of it along the way. If I had resolved the issue several years ago, I wouldn't have to have replacements today that I did. See, I didn't prepare along the way, and so it became an urgent issue. I could have taken care of it when it was not urgent, but I didn't. The other things Stephen Covey lists, prevention, values, clarification, planning, relationship building, empowerment, inspecting what you expect. I love that phrase, inspecting what you expect. If you expect to get something out of life, you need to be inspecting along the way that it's getting done. If you expect to be somewhere on time and you're trying to get your family out the door, you need to be inspecting their progress of getting out the door along the way. If you don't, you can't expect to get out of the house on time. You people with families, you know what I'm talking about. That's quadrant two. Listen, to the very best of your ability, you need to live in quadrant two. So back to the truck. One of the things I know is that if you, if you are slam on the gas and slam on the brakes, slam on the gas, slam on the brakes, slam on the gas, slam on the brakes, you're going to wear your car out faster then it should wear out. If you are constantly living in quadrant one because you're not taking of quadrant two, you're going to wear out faster. Now, I've heard it said so many times, I'd rather wear out than rust out. And, and, and I, I can understand that mentality, but I don't know why we have to wear out or rust out. I don't know why we have to do either one of those things. I was just reading, I think it was in, in Psalms this morning, maybe it was Proverbs, uh, that was saying that, that you, you can take care of yourself along the way and you can last a long time. You don't have to wear out. Here's the thing to do that is you have to live in quadrant two. If you're not living in quadrant two, you're constantly in a state of emergency and, and scientifically you, your adrenal glands don't ever get a chance to relax. They're always in a state of fight or flight and it's exhausting did that just hit anybody are you like man my physically physically I'm just exhausted you may have a physical challenge that you need to go to a doctor and address it I'm not a medical doctor I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night so I'm not giving medical advice but for so many people this is personal because this was me. The exhaustion came from not taking care of it here in quadrant two, instead living in quadrant one. That was where my body got exhausted. That's where medical issues started popping up because I wasn't giving myself a chance to rest. And it's not saying stop doing. That's not quadrant two. Quadrant two doesn't say stop doing. Quadrant two says do when it's not urgent. It's a lot less stress on it. And when you do that, you have a lot less of the stress of quadrant one. I don't even want to talk about three and four. They're not important. <laughs> quadrant one and two is where we should reside. There's always going to be emergencies. There's always going to be a kid choking on something. You've got to, hey, drop what you're doing. Get that airway cleared. <laughs> I mean, we, all three of our kids at some point have choked on something or almost drowned in a pool. So, like, I get that. you got whatever you're doing. It's not important at that point. There's a more urgent thing. Here's, uh, here's a filter I use, and some of you guys have experienced this directly working with me on a coaching call. On a coaching conversation, it happens all the time. Uh, it seems like I'm talking to somebody in a coaching conversation, and my wife calls. Well, listen, I went into the coaching conversation long ago. I decided my wife was more important than any of y'all. 
okay? She still is. She always will be. So because she's more important, I'm going to interrupt our coaching conversation to answer her call. But the first thing I say when I answer is, hey, baby, I'm talking to so-and-so. Is it urgent? Sometimes it was. It has been. It is. But most of the time, it's not. She's my wife. She's checking in. She wants to chit-chat. She loves me. Loves the sound of my voice. Maybe she just needs to find out what we want to do for dinner or do we want to do something this weekend with so-and-so, right? It's not urgent. She goes, no, I'm sorry. Just call me when you're done. I'll hang up and go right back to the person I was talking to. It took all of 30 seconds. That's how I use this as a filter for my day-to-day operations. Constantly I'm measuring, okay, what's important and is it urgent? Because if it is urgent, I do need to take care of it. But if it's not urgent, it can wait and I can do it during this not urgent time. Quadrant three, urgent and not important interruptions, some phone calls, some mail, some reports, some meetings, many proximate pressing matters, many popular activities. Urgent but not important is when your buddy calls up and says, hey, I have on Sunday morning, he calls you at 10 o'clock a.m. and says, hey, the Cowboys are kicking off at noon. Uh, I got tickets on the 50, four rows up. Do you want to go? Well, (laughs) I just heard a hell yeah. That is urgent because it's 10 a.m. The game, the kickoff is in two hours. Is it important? Not really. Some people are diehard. Like, yeah, it's important. Are you the starting quarterback? <laughs> no. Are, are, you, are, you, oh, are you the head coach? No. Are you an offensive coordinator? No. Are you even a cheerleader? No. So you have nothing to do with that game happening. It's not actually important that you're there. It's just urgent. That's, that's not, now, I'm, am I saying don't go to cowboy games? Heck no, they need our support. But I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when you're measuring things out, this goes under the not important list. Quadrant four, trivia, busy work, some phone calls, time wasters, escape activities like social media or Netflix binges, irrelevant mail, excessive TV. This is quadrant four. This is the biggest waste of time, and really, frankly, it's where most of middle America resides. This is where the bulk of the United States population lives, is in quadrant four. They spend all their time in urgent crises mode, and then they rest by escaping to Netflix or social media. Am I saying Netflix and social media is evil? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying too much time there. It's not urgent and not important. You don't have time to waste. Find something else to do. Please put it down. And I'm speaking to me as much as anybody else. I'm on social media. I look at that stuff. I watch TV. I'm confessing. This is something you really have to pay attention to because it will absolutely suck the life out of, your, out of your life. You turn around one day and you go, how many hours have I spent on social media? And what did that do for me other than aggravate me that a former friend from high school is so stupid? <laughs> right? All right. That's the four quadrants. Now... Build your schedule. Once you start divvying up what, what things are not urgent and important, now you need to start putting them into your calendar and plan the work. Get the execution of it done. So the first thing you're going to want to put in, I believe, are educational things. If you don't put in time for education, you're, you're going to remain stupid. And one of the things that, and stupid is not good. Ignorant is not knowing the truth. Stupid is knowing the truth and not doing it anyway. <laughs> like that, that's, and I can't stand stupid. When I do stupid things, I get so aggravated. I can't stand stupid. So you've got to get rid of the stupid, that you do that by education. I think one of the cornerstones of your weekly education ought to be a Tuesday morning sales meeting with the Fitz Group. It ought to be. 
Team call. Maybe put that in somewhere. I didn't label this because different teams do their different things. There's different stuff that you could put in for educational. There's conference calls. There's this. There's that. Listen, I, I, I block off when I'm going to read just so I know I got to get, get my reading done. I got to get my podcast listening done. I got to do these things. I put it on the block off of my schedule. This is not a calendar. This is just blocking off when I'm going to do different activities. So now I go to the activity tracker that we have here in the FITS group, and based on this, I start filling in when I need to make dials and when I need to run personal production appointments. Based on, based on this example we just showed of, hey, I want to make $5,000, yada, yada, yada. Look, you need, to, you need to block off your personal production time. In this example, it shows Thursday from 7 to 9 making dials, and then again from 6 until 9 making dials at night. Then you run production Friday, Saturday. Well, fifth setting to make dials on Thursdays, run production Friday, Saturday. No, I didn't. This is an example. Plenty of our top producers make dials on Mondays and run production Tuesday, Wednesday. Plenty make dials on Tuesday and run production Wednesday, Thursday. But the point is, the top producers all know when they're doing this. Just make sure you got it blocked off. Then you go to the building side of the activity tracker and you figure out when you need to do interviews. When am I going to do interviews? When am I interviewing prospective agents? I put it in like this. At one point, I loved doing an interview at the bottom of every hour, starting at the 30 of the hour. I loved doing it then. Why? Because then right behind that, I had a coaching conversation. Sometimes my schedule changes and I just do straight up all interviews in a day or it's all coaching in a day. But the point is you block it off and then, and then know that's when you're booking your appointments is when these things are blocked off to do them. And then in between, you throw in coaching. You can't just interview. You've got to help people. You've got to work with them. One of the things I recommend from a time management standpoint is while you're working, dials, appointments, have people around to see you do it. One of my favorite lines from any movie ever is from Braveheart. Uh, when they go out there, Mel Gibson goes out there. They're, they're picking the fight with the English for the first time. And he tells the Scottish lords, look, I need all of you guys with horses. When I signal, I need you to leave. And they're like, we must not divide our forces. And he says, listen, they're gonna, you need to do it and let the English see you do it. I love that line. Do it and let them see you do it. They'll think that we've left. Yes, and then you sneak around behind and kill them. And that'll work. We get them from both sides. You ambush them, right? But the point there, the line I love is do it and let them see you do it. When I first hired my very first agent, you know, I've been selling insurance for like a month and a half. So many people say, I don't know if I'm equipped to train people. You, if you're making sales, you're more than equipped to train them. You know how to get leads. You know how to make dials. You know how to fill out applications, run quotes. You know how to do it all. Just do your work and let them see you do it. Let them be around while you're working so they can see it's not really that hard. It's huge, huge time-saving tip, pro tip I just gave you. Then you fill in the rest of the time with free time. Look, the, an admin, you got to do some administrative stuff. You got to get stuff issued. You got to work your pending. You got to on and on and on. It's not, not breaking down all the roles and responsibilities. But look, we blocked off all of Sunday for free time. You got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday free time all that time. This is basically... What I'm showing you here is a schedule for a full-time job here. If you're working a full-time job here, this is a schedule. And I'm telling you, this, this schedule right here will make you $250,000 a year. But are you willing to do it? Only you can answer that. Well, Fitz, that didn't work for me because I have a full-time job. Okay, hey, listen. There's lots of yeah buts. Don't be part of that tribe. Let's figure it out. Stop being a victim of your schedule and start owning it. Start controlling your schedule, and then let your, your schedule control you. It's a wonderful thing. It's amazingly free. When I'm with my family, I know there's people in this world that think I ought to work more. 
But I think the most important thing in my life is my family. So when I'm with my family, I don't feel guilty that I'm not working. But I'm not with my family 24-7. They go to bed, and I go to work. And then I get up in the morning, I spend time with them in the morning, and they go to school, I go to work. Right? I never feel guilty anymore when I'm with my family. I never feel guilty when I'm working. I never feel like I'm flying by the seat of my pants. To almost an extreme, I feel like every second of my day is planned and thought out ahead of time. And then I just have to execute. Not a big deal. Once you have the plan put together, then you just have to show up and do it. Some people miss that step. They make it all pretty, but they don't show up and work. <laughs> you got to do the work too. Hope that helps. Uh, my contact information, the easiest thing to do is go to timewithfits.com if you want to book a time with me, timewithfits.com. Uh, I love, I love helping people with time management issues. That's one of my favorite things. I love breaking it down. You got more time in your week than you really think you do. You just need somebody to help you see it. Uh, but you can also, there's my cell, the office. If you need to be in touch with me, there's no excuse for not being in touch with me. You should be able to, no problem. I'm available. Uh, hope that helps. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with The Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.